Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello. The rest is still unwritten. Um, this is Angela Loria from Book Journeys, our Blog Talk Radio show. This is our first episode, and we are so lucky to have with us Allie Cudby, who, um, while the rest is still unwritten, did spend a whole lot of time in 2011 writing a book and uh, launched it earlier this year. Uh, it is her first book, I believe. Allie, this is your first book, right? It is, yeah. Yeah, so it is her first book. And um, because this is the first episode of Book Journeys Radio, I um, just wanted to give all of our listeners a sense of our mission and purpose. And we are talking um, to people who are interested in writing their first book. Maybe they're in the middle of it or, or thinking about it. Basically, Allie, they're where you were, I would say, probably 18 months or so ago. Yeah. And what, we, what, what I want to do is just give people a sense of the process because a lot of people have the idea I want to write a book and they don't, they don't get to the end of it. They certainly don't get to the end of it as, as quickly and seamlessly as you did. So um, we just kind of want to, yeah, we want to have the, we kind of want to have our listeners think about what they would need to be as successful as you've been. And um, let's just start with a little bit about your book. Um, Why don't you tell people the name of your book and what it's about and maybe where they can find it if they want to check out your your website or any you know, descriptions of the book while while they're here listening to the call. Great. So the book is called Busted, The Fab Foundation's Guide to Bras That Fit, Flatter, and Feel Fantastic. And it was published in December of 2011. Um, and it is, as the title suggests, all about why so many women spend years of their lives wearing bras that are uncomfortable and harmful to them both physically and emotionally, and then more importantly, what they can do about it to find bras that fit for the rest of their lives. And this is really a topic that a lot of women know they have an issue with but have no idea how to solve. They may have seen makeover shows that, are great for the three women who are given the audience and the the opportunity to work with an expert on TV, but that doesn't really end up helping them figure out how to fit bras onto their bodies. And and 70 to 85 percent. You mean the 334Bs? Pardon? You mean the 334Bs that they featured? Right, right, exactly, exactly. Um, (laughs) As a a non-standard size myself, I can tell you, I – you know, watch the makeover shows, but it certainly never seemed like it applied to me. Right. And, and in fact, you know, there are bras out there, I think, that so many of us think about it in terms of the sizes we see in department stores, which probably range from, you know, a 32 band to maybe a 38 or a 40 and a cup to maybe a double D or a triple D. And in reality, um, 70 to 85% of women are wearing bras that don't fit properly. And part of that's probably due to the fact that bras actually range from 28 bands all the way up to 56 and triple A cups to N cups. And so there's just a much, much wider world than most women realize. 
And uh, hence, when you're talking about 70 to 85 percent of uh, half of the world population, that's a lot of people who are spending a lot of money and time being uncomfortable, and it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, well, I think it's an amazing topic, but I know um, a lot of people come to me with either a lot of different ideas or sort of uh, a more amorphous idea. And one of the things that I hear is I want to make sure that my book speaks to everyone. And, you know, with your book concept, a lot of people would argue it's a pretty small market. Like if you're looking for people that aren't happy with their bras, let's assume you're already ruling out about half the population that aren't men. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it seems like there's only a small subset of women that might be interested in this what what made you think this would be an interesting topic or a marketable topic or whatever? Because I think that's something that stops people uh, in their tracks is picking a topic that they think a lot of people wouldn't necessarily be interested in. I actually think that the market for for my book, the potential market, is is huge. It's you know half the population, and and if you look at the number of books that are actually required to make a book viable, the the number of sales that are actually required to make a book viable these days, I struggle actually to make my audience more specific, more narrowed, more niche. Um, I want to be able to capture a woman when she's in a place in her life when she's thinking about, oh, my God, this bra is driving me crazy. And that oftentimes means that I'm not just talking to women with a capital W. I want to talk to a new mom who has, uh, you know, whose body has changed and she has no clue what to do about it, or a woman who is getting pain in her shoulder every time she goes to the gym because she's wearing the uh she's carrying the weight of her breasts and her shoulders instead of in the band and she knows she has this problem. So I actually think that the what makes the book the most successful is when I can speak to women in the place where they're feeling that pain and strain. Um and that oftentimes is actually meaning for me in the way that I'm approaching my book, uh, speaking to a smaller niche market rather than a global market. So that's fascinating. Is that, um, you know, one of the things I'd love to know from you is what do you wish you knew before you wrote your book? And is this idea of making the market smaller something you learned after you wrote your book or during, or is it something you wish you knew before? Because it seems pretty central to how you've been so successful. It's something that I definitely thought about before I wrote the book, and I had um, I have some specific plans for how to use the book, and, and those were built into my thinking before I wrote this book. Um, so while this is the, the more generalized version, um, I have plans for more specific and targeted versions of the book. And, you know, it's not because I am, um, you know, so uber smart about how to do this. I... I went and took some seminars that were specifically tailored to how to think this through so that I w- when I was taking the time and energy and effort to write the book, I was really being thoughtful about how this was more than just a vanity project so that I could put a book up on my shelf and say, hey, I wrote that, but it was the basis of a business. It's interesting you'd write that. I mean, a lot of Uh, A lot of people I work with are life coaches, and they get an idea for a book, and it almost feels 
like a passion project. Like they just have to write the book. It's almost coming out of their fingertips. And taking the time to stop and be thoughtful and do some of the strategic work uh, is hard for people when they have something they really want to work on. And I know for you, um, because we actually met, uh, we, we actually met in an event where you were talking about this as a passion project. And so I know for you, you have this too, like you had to somehow balance the desire to just sit down and write a book with this more strategic approach. How did you balance that? Um, well, first I thought about what I wanted it to be and and that I really thought about it from the perspective of the women that I could serve um, through the through the book and through the work. It it was, you know, I came to my area of expertise through my own pain in a lot of ways, and as many as many life coaches do. Um, I got interested in this line of work because I was always, you know, miserable shopping for bras and could never find bras that fit. And, and when I found something that did work on my body, it was this transformative moment for me. And I wanted to share that with women passionately. I I didn't want one more woman to have to go through another day where they felt uncomfortable in their own skin because they were wearing a bra that didn't fit them properly. And I truly believe that, you know, they're called foundation garments for a reason. And without the proper foundation, um, you know, your outfit and your outlook and your life is never going to be as solid as it could be. And um, some people might think that that is, an overblown way of looking at something as you know humble as a bra, but for me I don't, and and you know that's sort of that's my thing, and um, and so in order to keep these women in mind, I really had to almost take my passion and say, okay, that's great, but how do I make this something that's a service vehicle, and and I think that helped me become more strategic about how I wanted to approach the book. So if there's somebody like you who is passionate about their topic, and I loved what you said, like I didn't want another woman to go another minute without knowing this information. Like as soon as I could get this information out, I wanted to. I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, What advice would you give them if they – were in that place that you were in where they really just wanted to get this information out and share it as quickly as possible. Um, well, what, I, what kind of information would you give them? I really loved the process that I used for actually writing the book because I know so many people, they have this aspiration to write a book and they may even have the idea and a vision for how they want to use it, but actually getting the information down on paper is really hard. And, I was able to I, I learned about this this process by which you actually sort of talk through um and in 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 fact dictate your book into a dictaphone and then have it be transcribed and um and that process um even though it gave me the roughest of rough drafts and then it took many 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 iterations after that to finally make it into the book that was eventually published um just there's such a an incredible sense of completion when you have a rough draft in your hand and so the the process that i actually used to write the book was very very helpful to me wow that's um that's so you actually 
spoke each chapter? Did you write it out or did you actually talk it off the top of your head or write an outline? I'm not sure how that would, how did that work? Well, so what I did was first I took all of my information and I had done some research and I kind of looked at it and I said, okay, there may be some holes here and there, but I have enough information here to know what I want to say. And I started organizing it into chapter piles. And then I started doing these sort of iterative approaches uh, with the material. So, um, you know, I would get more specific with each pile and, you know, eventually wrote notes on little sticky pads and created a whole storyboard where I looked at the information visually on my wall and I, I actually created sort of a visual flow chart of what the book was going to look like. And then from there I did other iterations with longer, more specific outlines. And so by the time I was actually speaking the chapters, I had gone through a number of iterations with the information. I had filled in some holes that I needed. Um, and even when I eventually talked through each chapter one at a time, um, there were times when in the transcript it actually says something like, and then fasten the band and blah, 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 I'll fill in this later. And then you, and so, you know, when there were specific pieces of information, I literally blah, blah, my way through um, okay. <laughs> some of the holes and then went back and filled them when I, you know, when I could. Interesting. Did you ever, with this process, did you ever experience writer's block? You know, I didn't. Um, I, I can't remember a time when I actually got so stumped um, that I couldn't produce information. Uh, maybe because I, I just had a very, very clear vision of what I wanted. Maybe because I went through this process. And so there, the process itself is because you're not sitting down and saying, I'm going to produce a chapter today. Um, by the time you're actually talking your chapter through, you've gone through all of these different versions. And so I never found myself really getting blocked, but I did find that I had to really carve out some time each day to spend working on it. And, and it's so easy to get distracted by the shiny things. Um, and I think that that's oftentimes what happens with writers is that there's always something else that you can be doing and it's hard to make yourself sit down and actually do the writing and do the work. So carving out a specific amount of time each day, like I'm only going to do this for 90 minutes, that enabled me to sort of say, okay, it's just 90 minutes. I'm going to focus on this. I'm not going to look at email. I'm not going to answer the phone. And then my life will pick back up again. And so when did you find was most effective for you? Were they different times of day, or did you always do it at the same time? How did you figure that out? I'm kind of a morning person. So I would um, you know, walk the dog, send the kids to school, and then sit down with my coffee in the morning. Okay. And uh, and you said ninety minutes felt about right to you. Yeah, that was about what that was about a good amount of stamina for me, and and I ended up accomplishing a lot in ninety minutes. Ninety minutes of focused work time. Um, I, I think that in this day and age, um, there's so few times where we actually turn everything else off and spend ninety right. minutes focusing on one thing. Um, and I had to, you know, physically fight the urge to look at my iPhone or, um, you know, I'd hear a ping of email and, you know, to because to, I would be on my computer a lot of the time. Um, and to really just make it be about one thing for 90 minutes, we, we just don't do that very often anymore. 
And so from the time you actually started uh, working on your book, once you had kind of gone through the strategy pieces and um, started putting your book together, how, how long was that process for you? Until it was published or until I had a manuscript? Until you had that, uh, that first draft done. Ooh. Um, it was about three, no, four or five months. Um, I started in February, and I had the manuscript more or less in hand about five months later. The first draft. I mean, and and the first, but there was a lot of real estate between the first draft and the final right. version. So, but but to get that first draft was about twenty weeks, and you were doing ninety minutes a day for twenty weeks every day, or three or four times a week. Like, what kind of a I was, I mean, five times a week. I, I, I may not have worked on so weekends. Like Monday to Friday, ninety minutes a day for twenty weeks, and you got your, um, and you got your, uh, your, first. your first draft anyway. Yep. And yes. once you had that first draft, was there, uh, was there a lot of momentum for you at that point? Was finishing easier or harder? Did you feel like, wow, I'm done. I just want to take a nap now. Um, I was so jazzed. I mean, when I first had that, when I had that first draft in hand, um, I was, it was really exciting. And at the same time, I was, I definitely knew how far I had to go. I mean, that first draft was uh, not an exciting read, to say the least. And so to then infuse, you know, personality and humor, and I mean, it was a very, very dry recitation of what I wanted to say. And and it was only in those next iterations that I started adding some of the more, um, you know, personable elements to to the manuscript. Um, and so it was both very, very exciting and energizing, and I, I could see the finish line from that point so clearly, and it was still a lot of work. And so, uh, so okay, so here's a question that comes up a lot with people I work with, um, which is, how do I publish? Do I need an agent? Uh, how do I find a publisher? Did you spend a lot of time on query letters and book proposals? How did that whole side of getting the book published work for you? Um, and full disclosure here, Allie and I ended up working together uh, on her books. I know you'll get to that part, but I want I want you to talk about your thinking. Did you talk to any agents? Did you think about putting a proposal together? You know, I had I had one very quick conversation with one agent, and um, and and not that that conversation did anything to my decision making process whatsoever. Um, but what I realized was that for me, there were two things that were really important. One was that my book was a a tool for getting the word out in a way that was powerful, and I wanted to do that um, in a way that I could. B, control, um, control the information. So I, I really, for me, it was extremely important to have a publisher um, that would allow me to retain the rights to my book. Um, you know, I just didn't know how I was going to want to use it, and I didn't care about having a big-name publisher attached. And I think that the world of publishing has changed so dramatically in the last 10 years and so, you know, I had a list of priorities of things that were really important to me, you know, had to have, nice to have, didn't need. And um, when I sort of sliced and diced it, 
some of the more um, nimble niche publishers spoke more clearly to what I wanted to accomplish. So to make a long story short, I never wrote, I never had an agent. I never wrote a letter. I never wrote a proposal, a formal proposal. Um, I was able to identify the right publisher for me based on, um, you know, some fairly um, targeted conversations and um and and the proof of the proof of the work that I had done before. So even though it wasn't a book proposal per se, um I had enough in my history that the publisher who ended up being you um felt like, you know, you saw you saw where I was going and you saw enough to feel comfortable with my writing my writing ability and my business plan to um want to work with me, which was amazing. Thank you. Um, well, yeah, I think that's I think that's absolutely right. There's, I think that's true for small publishers like my company, Journey Girl Publishing, or or even Random House. Assuming you can get the meeting, is it has a lot to do with the author, their business savvy, uh, marketing savvy, and really what they're going to do with their book. Um, so the the risk that we took as a publisher to work with you was something that we were mitigating. Not a lot of people think it's with the quality of the writing. A lot of people think it's with the topic. And for us, it wasn't about the quality or the topic, although those things were important and contributed. But really, the first gate to uh, to cross with any publisher is that marketing plan. And a lot of people put their marketing plan at the back of their book proposal. Um, but really, for a publisher, it's really the first hurdle you have to uh, cross. Then, of course, we want a book that's, you know, well-written, well-edited. We want a book that is uh, informative and, and helps a specific group of people. And, and you definitely nailed that. I mean, a lot of people come in and start broadening their topic. Um, but what you did by narrowing your topic, not just on women, but on women in certain life stages, like you mentioned kind of at the beginning of this interview, those things as a publisher we're looking for, and certainly we're not unique. As an author, well, have about three options, and of course, there's always room for creativity. But there's work on the proposal and work on the draft, and uh, you know the different versions, and try and get a, an agent and a big time publisher, and in advance, and that route. And you kind of talked about the the control issues and why that wasn't necessarily the best route for you. And then for most authors, they go straight to uh, another option, which is self-publishing. So really doing it yourself, uh, you maintain that control. There is more of an investment up front because you're paying for, you know, designers and, um, you know, different technology specialists to build different things for you. Um, why did you want to work with a publisher and kind of put that middle person into your into the mix because obviously that there is there is some cost to that in terms of you know time communication a whole bunch of things uh, royalties all those issues why work with a publisher and not just do it all yourself yeah I'm a big believer in the right tool for the job um, and I don't try to I don't try to sell my own house um, I believe in the value of uh, of a real estate agent because. They know the market. They understand how to do things in a way because they've done it a lot of times before. That I would, I fully believe that I am capable of selling my own house. 
but I have other things to do with my time and energy, and they are professional at it. There's so many details that go into that come into play in terms of writing a book, um, and I didn't want to have to learn all of them. And and frankly, I wanted to be spending my time building my business, not learning the publishing business. So self-publishing, I, there there are great tools out there, and and the the world that exists for a self-publisher is a lot um, richer now than it ever has been before, and it's only getting better and better. But, you know, it's still a learning curve, and that was the, that was the biggest one. And then the second one for me was I wanted the credibility of having a publisher. I think that um, for what I wanted to do with my book, there was uh, – and, and what I wanted to do included getting – media and publicity attention for my message and for the book. Um, having a publisher versus being self-published, the, in that one area, they were light years apart. It's very hard to get, um, to get media attention and get publicity on a bigger scale when you're self-published. Not impossible. It's just another hurdle. And, that, and I think that people have asked when, you, have people have said, uh, you know, like maybe journalists you've talked to, have they said, who's your publisher? And if you were, if you said self-published, then bye-bye? People definitely ask me who my publisher is. And, really? um hmm and um, and I think that there's a level of credibility that goes along with having a publisher instead of being self-published. There there are a lot of people who do amazing things with self-published books, and I think that that's a great way to go. But I definitely know that I have been asked who my publisher is, and I don't think it mattered who it was per se, um, as long. But they, I think that they felt more comfortable knowing that there was a publisher. It's like a almost like a built-in recommendation. Like somebody, somebody else believed in you. Somebody bought on to your vision, and you know, presumably somebody who's looked at a few other books. Right. I, I think there's that, and I would also venture to guess that there's a a, a level of um, somebody else had to bless this thing. And, you know, mm-hmm. some, you can't know the quality of a self-published book because there's no checks and balances. But ah, a book that's gone through, Yeah. Um, a book that's gone through a publisher, uh, you know, the publisher has to be happy with the quality of the material that's being put out. And um, I think that makes a difference. Interesting. Well, in our last couple minutes of the first episode of Book Journeys Radio, um, I guess I'd love to hear from you. What do you think? is the best thing that's come for you in the last three months where you've had your own book, what's the best thing to come out of that for you? Um, Not to put you on the spot, of course. No, it's it's a great question, and my mind is going 100 different places at once because this has been the most amazing few months of my life. Um, I've had such incredible opportunities and experiences just since December when the book came out. So um, to to pick one is hard, and and yet at the same time what I would say is that the most amazing experiences that I've had since that time are the women who email me or come find me on my website, which is www.fabfoundations.com, and say, I used your book, I got a fitting, I, 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 and it changed my life. And 
um, I just got an email this morning from somebody who had a fitting experience and said, I've never had a day where I wasn't adjusting my bra strap. And I can't believe where my girls are sitting on my body. And that, to know that I've, I've been able to touch someone's life and make a difference and to know what a big difference it made for me when I had that moment, that's the most powerful thing. Well, you know, whose life you have absolutely changed, as ridiculous as that might sound over a bra. Um, and you certainly got many emails from me saying, oh, my God, oh, my God. Um, I say thank you. And I want to get your message out there, too, because I am in an Alomi Maggie today, and it's stunningly <laughs> gorgeous, and I feel beautiful, and uh, it fits fantastically. That's and, awesome. Maggie's and, adorable. It is, isn't it? <laughs> and so um, Fab Foundations, Fab like fabulous, right? F-A-B is in boy, fabfoundations.com. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything you would recommend uh, maybe on your website or other pages uh, to get started? I don't know if you have anything like a, you know, a quiz or something on your website that might help somebody who uh, listens to this uh, get started in their journey. Um, you know, there, I think that if you go to Amazon.com and you download a free sample, um, actually, and, and on my website as well, if you go to the Books tab and you download the free sample, you'll see the quiz. It's like a checklist. And um, if you go through the checklist, you can identify whether or not you are, in fact, a woman who might need a new bra um, or need to reassess her fit or her size. So I would say go through those steps um, and – and start there. I think that even if you aren't a woman or don't have any challenges with your bra, go check that out. See the process as an author that Allie uses to help leverage her book to build her list. So, and that's definitely part of the journey. So, thanks for being on our first episode of Book Journeys. And, My pleasure. Uh, I'm honored. Good luck with your book. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.